The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to The Good Stuff. I'm Jacob Schick, and I'm joined by my co-host and wife, Ashley Schick. Jake is a third-generation combat Marine, and I'm a Gold Star granddaughter. We work together to serve military, veterans, first responders, frontline healthcare workers, and their families with mental and emotional wellness through traditional and non-traditional therapy at One Tribe Foundation. We believe everyone has a story to tell, not only about the peaks, but also the valleys they've been through to get them to where they are today. Each week, we invite a guest to tell us their story, to share with us the lessons they've learned that shaped who they are and what they're doing to pay it forward and give back. Our mission with this show is to dig deep into our guest's journey so that we can celebrate the hope and inspiration their story has to offer. We're thrilled you're joining us. Again, welcome to The Good Stuff. Our guest today is Jennifer Seidner Johnson, who's an incredible lady. She's a great friend, and she's an executive at Torchy's Tacos. Best. Today, she's here to tell us her story and the story of her late husband, West Point grad and United States Army Captain Noah Johnson. This is the harrowing tale of the night Jennifer survived being shot six times by her husband when he had an undefined episode. It is important to Jennifer to tell her story because she knows firsthand the power of vulnerability in opening up and talking about mental health. She epitomizes what it means to be a warrior, and this conversation is proof positive that everyone has a warrior within. From the moment Jennifer walked in the room, we felt the abundant power of her presence and her energy. Jennifer Seidner Johnson, we are so excited that you're here with us on The Good Stuff. Thank you for being here. It is great to see you. Thank you for having me. What a great opportunity to be here and tell my story with you today. We truly appreciate you being here. It's great to see you, and we are so thankful that you have the courage to come and tell us your story. It is one heck of a story. We were kind of 
living it alongside from a distance. Obviously, you were down in Austin and we live up here in Dallas, but our mutual and dear friend Natalie Woods Stanier was keeping us posted all along the way along your journey. So let's just start from February 2021. Snowvid. Snowvid, yeah. So if you remember, we're still trying to come out of that pandemic world and kind of working from home. And then we got hit with this monster ice storm in Austin. We have been without power for three days. So we were already in survival mode. My husband was like chopping firewood all day. And, you know, we had bathtubs full of water, living by candlelight, felt like the, you know, good old days, if that's what they called them back then. I don't know why, but (laughs) we were really just trying to survive that storm. And it kind of had been a, not a regular day, but as typical as you could say possible, just kind of make it through those circumstances. And the power came on maybe around 10 p.m. that night for the first time again in like three days. And so I was like, oh, I can get some work done. So I stayed up and my husband went on to bed. I remember he texted me, I love you, good night. And I got my work done and went to bed. I didn't know like that would be kind of the last what I would think um, conscious communication I ever received from my husband. Because right before 3 a.m., my husband woke me up and he asked me if I would put him back to sleep, which was a very odd request. And he was acting, the best way I can describe it is he was acting like he was sleepwalking, Mm. like staring off, not looking directly at me and asking very odd questions. So I actually asked him, like, are you awake right now? And he said, I'm in the in-between. And I said, you're scaring me. I was like, what do you even mean by that? And he said, I I can understand why you'd be scared right now. So my husband's name was Noah, and he was a type 1 diabetic. So my head initially went to he's having sugar low. Because when he had sugar lows before, he wasn't able to think clearly, he can talk, he'd break out and sweat, can move. So I was like, are you able to go into the kitchen with me to get your diabetic supplies? Let's test your blood sugar. And like pretty non-responsive. And I got out of bed and we started walking But he just walked to the other side of the bed and sat down. And when he sat down, I'm trying to interact with him. I'm trying to get him to get back up and go with me. And at that point, he just became a zombie on me, almost like gone, gone. That's where it scared me. And there was an incident that happened prior, like four years before that, that I had very consciously on my mind that where he had kind of gone into a similar state and then had kind of become, if if you will, violent. And I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to handle this on my own. He's sitting on the side of the bed and I told him, I'm like, I'm going to go call for help. And I left him on that side of the bed I walked back over to my side of the bed where my cell phone was on my nightstand. I pick up that phone. I dialed 911. I remember I put it on speaker because I thought I might have to work with him. And as I turned to walk back around and got into the front of the bed to walk back towards him, one the power went back out. So we were on rolling blackouts at this time. So it would go on and go off. And I remember saying out loud, oh, the power just went back off. And as soon as I said that, 
I heard what, to me, sounded like fireworks going off in the room. In fact, it took me a while to even realize what was going on. Now, one of the blessings I feel like I have in my life is pitch black. So I don't have any visual of this, but my husband was shooting at me, really shooting up the room. But I don't have a visual of that. I, ha- I could see the flashes from the gun, but it was so just far out there. And like, I know people always say it feels like you're on a movie or mm-hmm. it felt unreal. Like I couldn't even fathom what was happening until I started getting hit. So I ended up getting shot six times, my arm, my chest, and the last one that hit me and made me go unconscious for a little while is I got shot right under the jawline here. And I call it my miracle wound because it actually ended up exiting out my nose, therefore missing my ears, my eyes, and my brain completely. But it just kind of shattered and my jaw was gone mm-hmm. and this was completely open. <clears throat> I think it's a very appropriate time. name for that bullet. The miracles. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the doctor and everything now, and they're all just flabbergasted by that, how I could have survived that wound specifically. Not, and also had collapsed lungs and, you know, it just missed every major organ that would have been a lethal hit. When that shot hit, I did go unconscious for a bit. My husband ended up taking his own life. I was not conscious for that. So I also, I feel like these are little blessings that I had, um, if I can call it that during the situation, but I really do feel like those things were blocked for me for a reason. But while I was unconscious, I had some interesting thoughts and visions. Some I can't really explain and I'm all share with you because they just happened and it's my truth and it's just kind of weird. But I definitely remembered I was 42 at the moment and just kind of had that unbelievable realization like I'm going to die today. In my process going through that, I was still conscious enough to be like, I'm going to die at 42. And like, how crazy is that? And that's the end of my story. And then definitely had that feeling and really try to push out as much energy as I could into the universe to send love, my loved ones messages of goodbye, how much they meant to me. I can't believe this is happening. I did have that thought that no one was going to believe what just happened. Like I couldn't believe what just happened. And it was so kind of outside. I think what a lot of people's experiences would have been with my husband that I was like, nobody's going to believe what just happened? And I'm the only one in the room yeah. that yeah. experienced it. Yeah. I remember consciously having that, like, people are not going to believe this. The weird thing I'll just share, and I'll just share it because it was a weird vision I had, but I feel like there was almost a decision pitched to me at a point. This is why I say it's weird, and I can't explain why this was the vision given to me. But You don't have to explain um, it. Just, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you ever saw that news story where a lady had a pet chimp and she had her face torn off. Yes, that was okay. a big story. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, the vision that was given to me, she had had like plastic surgeries to have a new face put on. Wow. I feel like a decision was kind of put out in front of me. Like if you were to li- go on and live the rest of your life mm-hmm. like that, like you would have to have a new face. Would you want to 
go forward or you would you want to go ahead and leave? And I was like, I want to live. I want to go forward. So, There's no um, hesitation. I'm curious to know, was there any contemplating? Or was it immediate? I think it was pretty immediate. Immediate. I don't remember contemplating. I remember actually sitting back thinking, because I remember them saying, it's going to be real hard. Yeah. Like, you're going to look deformed. Yeah. You'll still get to live life. And maybe I can't put, you know, a full memory on how long it took me to make it, but I felt like I was like, no, I... Pretty convicted quickly. Yeah, I want to live. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. I've actually shared with Ashley, like people very close to me, that I feel like given the right circumstance, God is willing to meet you halfway. Now, obviously, that's not every instance, right? But I do sometimes feel like we are given a decision. We're given a choice. I can't explain to you or the listeners how much I relate to what you're saying right Okay, now. good. I share it because that really happened and like why I had the vision of that specific lady, I can't, I don't know, but that's my truth. Like right. that, I, that happened while I was going through this whole thing and mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you say you could relate to that. A hundred percent. So it's still pitch, pitch black, black, dark. Correct. And you had called 911, the call went through. So what happened next? Again, if you remember, I had put it on speaker, that my phone on speaker, because I thought, you know, I had called for my husband, and I thought I was going to have to be helping with his care. So what ends up saving my life is the 911 dispatcher heard the whole thing. Right. So I'd actually, when I started getting shot, dropped that phone. It hit the, our wood floor, and shat, that phone shattered and still worked. And so... They, one, could hear the whole situation, 
But when I came like back to, I remember hearing the 911 dispatcher saying, 911, do you have an emergency? Now, again, to paint the picture, I have no jaw at this time. And my, Can't communicate. And my tongue is split in a four. Yeah. Well, the other crazy part of the story is we did communicate, me and the 911 dispatcher. One, I would say she was very well trained. She could do yes, no <clears throat> answers that I could more articulate. She needed to figure out where I was. They couldn't locate me. Mm-hmm. We needed to get an address. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we went through and finally it took a while, but we got my address. And then also keep in mind, again, it's ice storm. Right. So that fire station is five minutes from my house, and it took 20 minutes for them to get to me. And I'm bleeding out pretty Profusely. Right. So I, I do remember watching the pool kind of grow around me and yeah. I had one of my dogs in the room. And I remember trying to keep him out of it for whatever reason because he wanted to come to me and I was kept pushing him away. And that was pretty scary because you can definitely feel yourself leaving or Dying. just getting. Yeah, you can. You feel it. You feel the life leaving. Yeah. I haven't listened to 911 tapes, but I know I shared that with the <laughs> with the dispatcher several times that I'm telling her they need to hurry because I could feel myself dying. Wow. Isn't it, and, and it's a feeling that is very hard to articulate. Correct. And even like she was doing her job of asking me questions to keep me conscious. And I remember they were getting harder to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, like it re- took me a while to think about it because my brain started, I guess, pushing blood to other places that was needed. From the time you called, you made the call and you hit speaker, was it 20 minutes from the time that happened or was it, you know, 20, you know, say 23 and a half or whatever? Yeah, it was a little bit more. Yeah, because um, the the events had to unfold and then, you know, clearly the dispatcher had to process what was going on. Yeah, I think the events are around 10 minutes and then we have to wait for another. I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know, did it feel like an eternity? No. It felt, um, or did it feel like this happened? There's this shock. Here's me coming back into myself. Yeah. And then now I hear the help arriving. Because with me, I, in my experience, it was like, this is quite possibly the longest day on the planet. That's so true. The word you use shock is probably the best because even in, in the moment, that almost like slow motion, mm-hmm. like what is actually happening? And even then when you start to process what I was still in too much shock to yep. even kind of process what's happening. And I don't know if you were like this, but then my brain went really to like very kind of a logical, like I need to survive now. Yeah. Like I, I had no room at that point to process. Like I just lost my husband. What is this going to look like? I, my brain didn't have any room for that at that point. I went right into, I need to get help. Am I able to stand? No, because I didn't experience my husband killing himself. I didn't know where my husband was. He had left the room? He had not. He had shot himself in the room. Okay. But when I'm talking to the 911 dispatcher, I didn't know that. On a broken and so phone. so she was, at, yes, shattered. 
they're asking me where he was. I was telling them I didn't know. Yeah. So unfortunately, mm. when they came to the house, they had to treat it like an yep. active shooter yeah. situation. I tell you that to say, even when I start seeing flashlights and everything, I'm like, I'm in here. I'm in here. And I'm like begging them to come in. Yeah, they could not come in yet. Because they're treating And it like I'm telling active. the 911 dispatcher, I see them. Tell them to come on in. I'm telling her, please tell them, just come in. Break down the door. Come in. And they couldn't because <laughs> they had to secure yeah, the uh, area. Yeah. Yeah, because that's um, not how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So what happened when they did come in and find So unfortunately, you? the way I found my husband had passed is they did break in a door. I have a door that goes to my bathroom that's connected to to our bedroom. They came through that door, and I heard them come in, and they immediately started shouting, watch out, watch out, He's, you know, he's still armed, has a gun in his hand. And then another officer said, it doesn't matter, he's DOA. And Dead that, on arrival. That's how I learned my husband had passed. What went through your head at that point? I'm in yeah. so much shock that, like, the fact hit me. Yeah. But nothing else hit me at that point. Mm-hmm. I was still in, like, am I going to die? Like, at that point, I, I still didn't know if I, I was going to make it either. I was about to say, like, I think it's really important for people to understand in that moment. When you feel, and it is a physical sensation— feeling life slowly leaving your body. Yeah. It is a physical sensation that is very hard to describe and put into words. You can be given any type of information that will register. Yeah. But you're almost in a place of you don't have time to process what you're given because you're so focused on it is almost like an internal clock that you feel. Yes. That is so spot on. I couldn't have said it any better. I heard it. Noah's gone. But I couldn't do anything with that information at that moment. And there was nothing you could do anyway. At that point, I'm still laying on the floor, bleeding out. I don't remember feeling pain at that moment. I I don't know how to describe it, but the sensation of leaving. I didn't feel pain until they put a tourniquet on my arm. (laughs) And it was like the tourniquets, it was like ratcheting down a wrench and everything. And, you know, crushing bone and all that, where I, that... All of a sudden, I think I came a little, a little shock into like full out pain. Yep. Yeah, at that Which point, because even it to like a whole nother level, getting getting hit by the bullets and everything. I don't remember a lot of pain. More sh- again, shock and like, what is happening right now? Yeah, more than anything. And but that's that, the that body's was the way. First. Yeah, I mean, it's the body's way to protect us from that. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's it's built in. Yeah, you know, and it's that those different chemical releases from the brain to where you don't have to physically acknowledge it, which makes it harder to understand. Obviously, my situation was different. You know, what happened Mm -hmm. he was of high probability, right, that something shitty was going to go down. Another difference being is I'm almost positive you were a much better patient than I was. (laughs) Guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, but for me, like, my go-to my whole life was to get mad and fight. You know, that was how I came out of the corner. You know, if I was back then, that my go-to was that, mm. right? So I immediately went to my default. We all have different backgrounds and upbringings and all those things. And again, like this was a completely unexpected, very out of the norm. Yeah. And you're given all these different things thrown at you. People do not understand the, the amount of intake that had to happen intellectually in that moment on top of the pain setting in because that clearly, that takes everything to another level because it's very distracting too. 
You start to feel the pain, and then it throws off your thought process because then it takes so much of your attention that you're not able to process the way you were before it set in. Yeah, bingo, because from then on, I'm like, pain. I do remember the ambulance ride to the hospital. Again, we're on ice. ice. I'm conscious the whole time, but I can remember us like all over the road, and they're like apologizing the whole time, and t- again, trying to keep the bleeding under control, seeing if they can give me blood. And like again, the whole time, I'm just thinking between like how unbearable the pain is at that point, And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the hospital. Because of the extreme circumstances Mm -hmm. that this all happened in. Yeah. In fact, I remember almost being, like, and still feeling like I'm leaving. Because you still feel like, we'll see if I make it there. Like, my head was kind of in the, like, we'll see if I make it to the next step. And, like, I was like, oh, I made it till the help got there. Oh, well, let's see if I make it to the hospital. It's literally second by second. It really is kind of that long, like you're just trying to see like, oh, well, I made it to this. I wasn't sure if I was going to. And you just kind of go like, okay, here I am now. And here I am now. I do remember even getting to the hospital and they opened those ambulance doors and that cold air hitting, like waking me up, like, whoo, like just a little bit of reality because I was kind of fading a bit. And like that woke me back up a little bit and we're going right into the... The, the hospital. That's crazy because I remember, obviously, it was not cold where I was. It was like <laughs> yeah. 120-something degrees. But mm-hmm. it's the reality, too, that it was almost like a physical shock, yeah. you know, that cold. But yeah. for me, what it was is when you know, they're loading that gurney onto the, you know, it was a filled gurney. So you know, they're loading it onto the Blackhawk. And I remember thinking to myself, like, there's no way the pain could get worse right now. There's no way. And the rotor wash blew up. The sheet, you know, there's bandages. Doc was like, uh-huh. bandage on, bandage off, bandage on, bandage off, because I was bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I remember the sand blowing into the wounds. That was like the ambulance doors opening for you. Like it hits you, and it's a physical sensation that I believe is beneficial because it connects you to these chemical releases. It gets you to keep, it's like, okay, it almost wakes you up a little That's, bit. Yeah, it was like a woke back up. Yeah. Like, oh. And then I was like, okay, now we're at the hospital. <laughs> so now let's yeah. see what happens in the emergency room. And yeah. So what were the next few months? And it's been just over two years now. Yeah. What happened next? Yeah. So a lot of rebuilding. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I first got there, they were still like, it was pretty touch and go. We didn't. I was going to say, like, yeah. how much do you remember before you start to not remember? Okay. Because that for me, it was. I think a, a surgeon was like, I know for a fact, because I watched him do it, like gave this nod to the anesthetist, like, please knock this son of a bitch out. Yeah. So I don't remember. <laughs> I will say once I got to the emergency room, the other thing I do remember is, bless her heart, they call my mom. And I mm. do remember trying to talk to my mom. It probably didn't say the right things, but I remember I kept saying, I've been shot, I've been shot. It was probably what no mother ever wants to get that phone right. call. But I don't know. I felt like I needed to give her facts in the sure. moment, yeah. which is, I don't know. My brain was still was in kind of very factual, yep. like, here's Logic. what I am in the hospital. Like, like is, I yep. didn't die. I'm in the hospital, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I remember calling my mom, and then I think they put me out. Yeah. <clears throat> then I don't remember anything until I woke up, like, the next day, I think. Does she live close by you? Okay, no. So... I was in Austin, Texas. My parents live in Missouri, and it actually took them like three or four days to be able to get to me because of the the ice storm. There were no flights. They couldn't drive. Again, you get that phone call, and they couldn't even get to me. Um, I can't fathom that as a parent. I know. 
So luckily, my mom had my best friend's phone number, Elizabeth, and she called her. And so Elizabeth was the first person at the hospital with me when I woke up the next day. So That was the beginning of a hell of a journey. By the time I'd woke up, I had already had a lot of surgery, one to kind of get me to quit bleeding and everything. So one was just just to get everything to survive and get me stable. Then I had a lot of surgeries for just, I hope I get this word right, bridement, just to get all the gunpowder and everything. So, because I guess at first in the ER, they just, especially with my face, they try to like close a lot of things up. But if you have gunpowder or anything in there, it'll continue to disintegrate the tissue. So they actually had to go back, open up, and just, I had several, if you will, just cleaning. Yeah, um, washouts. um, Washout surgeries. surgeries. That's what they call them when I was in, washouts. So a lot of that, then you kind of start to go into the rebuilding surgeries. And then that's where you learn, like, that's not a hey, it'll be a couple of weeks and we'll get you all tied up and send you on your merry way. No. I won't ever forget when my surgeon kind of sat and he was like, it'll probably be like a year and a half. And I couldn't believe what he was even telling me. I have a surgery tomorrow. So it's been like two and a half years. So right. he probably was even being conservative on his head. It hit me really hard when I heard that at first because you do think like you want to kind of I don't know, move on. And patience was the hardest thing for me. And I don't, I'm. It is I'm such a bullshit <laughs> word. They have to come up with it. Yeah. Like patient. Like I remember it just pissing me off the fact that that was the word. Because like, I was a bet, like it was, I was not a good one. Like the nurses would do paper, rock, scissors every night oh, okay. to see who got my chart. Like, I was not a good patient. Oh, okay. I remember when I was really able to start to analyze my wounds. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because my left leg was in traction, my left arm was in traction. And I remember one day they took my left leg out of traction to clean the rods and stuff so the skin didn't grow up the rods, uh-huh. right? So they had to clean them and make them push them back down and all this. And I remember it was the first time I had seen the back of my leg. Because I'd seen the front, and I saw the back, and I was like, damn it. What else have I not seen that is, like, jacked up? Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing my thighs and seeing where they had taken the skin and doing all. And it was just like this gift that kept on giving in a very negative light. And I was like, how much more are you going to rob from Peter to give to Paul? <laughs> yeah. Like, I need to be briefed on this shit. Yeah. You know? And it's you're right. It is a very long process. Yeah, because I think in my head and— just me, I was like, let's just do it all at once and get it over with. Like, yeah. That's not how it works no, at, not all. at all. So, I mean, it's been, you know, a couple of years because, like, you got to do a step and then let that heal yeah. and, see, and see how it works and how it doesn't work. And if you're going to have to redo, and then you go to the next step, the next step. There's a few times where I might have not taken the news so well. <laughs> yeah, because you're human. I know, but, yeah. And so that's why I'm like, the patience was the hardest thing for me because Also because you're I human. Was, yeah. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. I'm curious to know, from the very beginning, how long were you in the bed? Like, we're in the hospital, I should say. Yeah. Like, before you were allowed to leave the hospital. So I, I kept getting transferred to different hospitals because I was in a trauma oh, hospital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of what I would go through. Is like So I was there for probably, like, two months. Mm-hmm. And then in that time, I had to be patient, like between surgeries. They're like, we're a trauma hospital. We don't like maintain. So then they would send me to another hospital while I was healing for my next surgery. And then I'd have to come back to the trauma hospital. So I did that probably for three, three and a half months. And then I went to inpatient rehab hospital after mm. that. So I mean, we're talking like months on end, yeah. a, a year, maybe close. Not quite a year, but several but lots months. Of months. Yeah, because even in the rehab, and we can go through, but I had to relearn how to use my arm, my leg, and I had to relearn how to swallow, talk, everything. I don't know um, about you, Jennifer, but I've never met a physical therapist that I like. <laughs> <laughs> They're there to hurt you. Equal it equals pain. It equals pain. Never let, never let a physical therapist say, oh, we're just going to do a massage today. <laughs> that might sound really nice. That is going to be your worst day ever. That's not what they mean. <laughs> They're liars. All of them. Yeah. Thank you to physical yeah. therapists out there. <laughs> you, you guys just equal suck factor. That's it. But thank you for the work that you oh, do. Yeah. Yeah, but thank you for the use of my arm <laughs> yeah, and my leg. Like, but yes. All those things. <laughs> Minor yeah. details. So yeah. what did you think about when you were there in the hospital for that long? I actually, I think it was a pretty great patient. Again, Nobody I don't likes know. Nobody likes a bragger, Jennifer. Sorry, I just, I'm going to be that person, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. Something clicked in me pretty early. That one, I kind of had a vision that I'm going to make it. I'm going to go on. I wanted to get out of there. And I just was going to think really positively about it. And the other thing that happened to me, so again, it was 2021. When I got to that hospital, it was totally overwhelmed. So it was still COVID. So they're already full with COVID patients. And then that ice storm created a lot of trauma patients from accidents mm. and things that happened. And they had run out of rooms. And I was had, just about to say, they must have been busting at the seams. Yeah. 
I remember seeing these nurses come in and they were like, they couldn't even go home because of the ice storm. Wow. So they were living there. Another element you don't even think about. Yeah. Like that doesn't cross your mind. Yeah. One day this nurse just came in my room and she just broke down crying. She was just exhausted. Yeah. and Burnout for sure. And I, I remember having that opportunity and I'm like, I want to talk to her and like uplift her. And I remember at the end of it, I was just trying to build her up and make her feel like appreciated and everything. And she was like, I can't believe you're sitting where you are. Exactly. <laughs> and you're the one like lifting me up in my day. I felt it in me. Like, this is going to be my approach to life, how I'm going to try to impact others. So I actually had the approach like any nurse, anybody, any the people that clean my room, anybody I could touch while I was in there just trying to <laughs> Me too. Leave an impact on. Yeah, but, but the um, fact that you listened to that voice, the mm-hmm. fact that you embraced it and you didn't let, you know, the negativity seep in or the why me or any of that. You said, you know what, I'm gonna turn this into a positive. That's beautiful. Yeah. I believe that's God-given. Like, I really do. We all have a choice to make all the time. You, you wake up and you fight for good or you fight for evil, and it's a daily decision, Yeah. right? And it can switch midday. Yeah. It's something that is a conscious effort throughout the entire day. Yeah. I feel like that you've really gotten close because I also believe that every human being on the planet is born with an inner warrior. Right. And that has nothing to do with your job. You know, it doesn't mean like you have you put on camouflage and go to war. Like that's not that's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean that like inner voice that we all have. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that you started feeding that gladiator immediately. It's obvious it's prevalent to me because you're here now. Only two years, like not even, you know, that's relatively short time frame for you to be sharing what you're sharing now. And it's like, damn, it makes me feel like I can, be, you know, I can do better. Like, I can do better. I can do better. Perspective. You know? It's perspective and mindset. I will say there are a lot of nurses, even some of the doctors, you know, MDs telling you that they would come in and be like, they could almost tell if someone was going to make it or not make it all based on that mindset. mindset. Like, do you believe wow. it? Do you believe it? And are you fighting for it? And are you already living like you, you're... You know, I'm going to live. And I was very interesting to hear, again, that medical staff see, you know, whatever, you know, medicine or surgeries or whatever they could do, they knew that there's something else to it. Right. Like, see, it and was, that's an, another element to me of when I say God will meet you halfway. Mm-hmm. Are you a victim or are you a victor? And that's yep. a daily decision. Yeah. And even some of the nurses that would come in and talk to me and the ones that would be over, really overwhelmed, what was overwhelming him are the patients that quit trying. Right. So when I went to the rehab hospital, I did have to joke that I had a little competitive spirit. So I was like, I go in there and I'm like, I'm going to be the fastest on that. <laughs> now I was competing with all like 80 plus year olds. Like, I didn't care. Like, I'm, but, what, but, That's and, awesome. but what would make me so sad? I remember calling my parents and everything. Are, you would see people that had just completely given up and just like sit on the machines and just wasting away literally and you just knew you just it's over the will to live is a very real thing not just my experience almost dying but also getting the fight and seeing the difference between fighting and not fighting to live that has given me a lot of perspective too from this journey I've I've been on so I've definitely seen that 
I feel like there was something clicked in me. Something came out of me pretty early that I made a decision that I was going to live and I was going to fight for it. And I wanted something good. And that carried me through a lot. And like that inner warrior that you talked about, I would say that I certainly did not know I had that within me. I don't think a lot of people thought I had that within me, but I sometimes can't believe what I've been able to do, overcome, achieve even through this. And I think a lot of people were really surprised how hard I was able to fight through a lot of this. And we are so truly proud for you and proud of you. Those are two different that. things. So, mm-hmm. so think about so it. So incredibly proud of you for that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your support group. Oh my gosh. So one of the things I think about, and it's almost like so weird to say, is like I don't know how one of the hardest years of my life ended up being one of the best years of my life as well. It was all because I had never experienced the love and support of community and the power of prayer, Mm. that is the secret of making things happen in this world. And I had so much support of friends, my my employer, Torchy's Tacos, if I can shout them out. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we love yeah. Torchy's. Uh, if if you don't like tacos, we can't hang out. Yeah. <laughs> Church communities, not only in where I live, but around the world, like prayer chains, everything, like coming through. Unbel- I mean, unbel- you feel it. You really do. You feel I, it. I just, I can't explain it, but I was just so surrounded. I had people like Natalie come stay with me and we FaceTimed and I can't and I remember Nat because sometimes in that FaceTime it's like Natalie always <sighs> FaceTimes Jake and we never know what's gonna be they, on the because other end. God only like, knows look at this <laughs> what is about to happen in that exchange. And yeah. then it's like if we're around the boys I'm like, is this gonna be uh-huh. our kids appropriate? Like what but I know there's always a point. Yeah. Like there's always a reason for it. And then, so I always answer, but I remember when we FaceTimed and I don't remember, man, it wasn't too long though, after you'd gone through what you went through, mm-hmm. but I do remember talking to you and like, I felt your spirit then, like you were already at the place that you were talking about that you've been in since this has happened. Yeah. I felt it. I remember, having, you know, I showed you all my skin grafts and all my crap, you know, and it was like. This is what I remember from this, and this is, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, for sure. Yeah. You know, it was, but it that was... That was so helpful. I, I remember that. And I remember I had you look at where they had taken my fibula implant and the skin graft and everything, yeah. you're like, oh, that looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. okay. I think I also told know. you on the call, too, like, oh, I remember when they tried to transplant, mm-hmm. some of, they amputated again to try and do a bone transplant from my fibula to my left arm, and, you know, that failed, but no knock. The surgeon tried, and it was... Oddly enough, when I realized it failed, I was doing a live radio interview, and my left arm just, like, kind of semi-exploded. Uh. <laughs> and my dad was in there with me, and my dad's very... Queasy. He doesn't like that stuff. Mm. And we're standing. It was a radio studio where it just had, like, the round tables uh-huh. that you stand, all the hosts stand okay. up, uh-huh. right? They're not seated. 
And I remember when it happened, and I remember my dad's face, like, going as wide as your shirt. And I was, like, in the middle of talking, like, had his shirt, like, moving him towards a seat so he doesn't <laughs> faint. Because, you know, I'm worried about my dad fainting and his head busting open during this. And so I'm, like, talking, doing, not missing a beat, like, pushing him towards this seat. <laughs> my arms oozing, and the radio host is like, what in the hell is going on right now? Like, it was... Never a dull moment. You know, but yeah, it was... I remember that, that convo with you, and it was like... Because I remember being in the hospital, and I don't think I ever in my life have had that much time to think and just be. I learned in the hospital... I was 22. That's where I learned what being present means, mm, mm-hmm. especially with oneself. And it was forced on me, obviously. I mean, I'm not like I was going to go play kickball anytime soon. Like, I was forced to learn what it meant to be with oneself. I love that. I have a lot of people ask me, like, again, a little over two years out of it, like, how are you in this place now? And I'm like, I had so much time with myself in that hospital to think about so much stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... It just, I am, it put me in a different place, in a place that I feel like I have had a lot of opportunity to work through a lot of things. And, you know, I will say at first, I was a little worried because at first, like, I almost couldn't think, like, I would just stare off. I remember, and I would be worried about myself, like, am I going to be able to function at work mm-hmm. anymore? Right. Yeah. Is my brain going to function normally? I did have. A lot of shock and, and a lot of pay meds, um, <laughs> you know, at, at first where I started worry like, ooh, I hope, you know, I'm going to be able to really think and function normally. But then as I kept going, then, yeah, you just get a lot of time to reflect. And, and the other thing I would say, kind of what you just said, is that's one of the gifts I think that I've been given out of this is being more present. I find myself... A lot of times just pausing wherever I am. And one, I get this feeling like I shouldn't be here. I would all be going on and I wouldn't be here. So it feels like this sneaky, like I'm being able to (laughs) see what would be going on if I was gone, but I'm here. Like, because it feels like that, like, oh, I got a second chance at this. But the other part of it is that it actually makes me actually kind of step back and start taking everything in. Like, I'll be in a Starbucks, and I'll just start looking around and notice everything. Like, the colors, the textures of things, the smells, and I just try to, like, consciously take it all in. Like, if you're just standing in line, but really, like, absorb the world a bit more. And the other thing that happens to me more now is... If I'm standing in line with y'all, I'll be looking at you and I'll be thinking in my head because I don't want to say it out loud and, and say it, and people think I'm a weirdo. It's like, oh my gosh, guys, like we're all like standing here doing life together right now. Like, wh- how are we like standing on this earth and at the same time, like we're going to get a Starbucks and like really soak that in. I know that sounds complete. It does. No, it's awesome. You're living in but gratitude. I re- I, that is something that was given to me from this experience that I know a lot of people can't have, and it probably sounds totally insane, but I have those moments now where I'm just like, guys, we're totally doing this right now. And, <laughs> like, and, that, and the power so... of that <laughs> mm-hmm. is indescribable, and I think the takeaway 
is that you don't have to experience being blown up or being shot or whatever to choose to do that. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like you don't have to do it's a choice. Yeah. And sometimes it's forced upon you and sometimes you never get the chance. Yeah. It is pretty powerful when you do it and I would so yeah, if as much as you can just take a moment and just step back and just be present and yeah. take in all of it. It's so so important. Time is our most precious commodity and time and time again we're reminded of that. You did get a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the back seat. seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Thinking about you being in the hospital, going through all of this rehab that you went through at the same time, mourning the loss of your husband. Yeah. Let's talk about Noah because he was a force to be reckoned with. He was. And I have to say, in the hospital, when I was having that energy wanting to touch others, also what was going into mind is that energy that was just lost in Noah. Because for those that knew Noah, I had never met a more extroverted person in my life And he had this power of woo that he could um, just enter a room. And if he didn't already, like, know half the room, he would make sure he had impacted at least someone. He was magnetic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I had never seen a force like that. And I was pretty conscious, again, in the hospital, like, that force had just left. And it was such an amazing energy that had impact on my life because I am an introvert. I was like, I just lost that. And like somewhere in my head and my brain, I was like, I need to take that part of him with me now and carry that on. And you are. And it's so, I mean, I can feel it across the table from you. That's exactly what you're doing. And by you having the strength to come even tell this story, you are doing that. Because I, I knew Noah, I met him a couple times mm-hmm. through the Staniers, and he was. He was magnetic. He had that energy. He had a great smile, and that you knew when his presence entered the room, Yeah, just like you just said. And you have the same effect on people. Mm. Thank and you. it's not just because of this journey. that What happened to you didn't define. Maybe it woke something up inside of you, mm-hmm. but here you are doing that and giving that gift to us. I think that's the reason that you're able— to have the courage that you have that's on display today. 
right? Because what you're doing right now to me, that epitomizes the very meaning of warrior. Okay, just because you got shot at or whatever doesn't make you a warrior, mm-hmm. right? Because me getting severely wounded was a moment in time, doesn't define who I am. Who I am and who I evolve into is up to me, not what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it's on display with you. So, of course, you're channeling all the good, and then you're burning the pain and the bad as fuel for the good. That's a thing, right? And sometimes you're forced into that, and sometimes it takes you down another path. Because, again, it's a choice every day. You absolutely are doing exactly that. And, like, freaking kudos isn't a strong enough word, but, like, just welcome to the badass arena. That's what I'll say. <laughs> so I think the other thing I'll, I'll want to say is there is the physical part of going through the hospital and trying to heal. But that wasn't actually the hardest part for me. The hardest part of any of this that I really struggled with is the why behind it. And the point of not exactly sure what happened that early morning And knowing that we'll never have answers of what actually happened, like why did he act like that and, you know, try to take mine and did take his own life, we'll never know. That question and uncertainty has definitely been the hardest thing for me to grapple with through everything. So, How do you feel about him? I know a lot of people don't like this, but I actually think he had the greatest loss. I always put myself back at that early morning. And if you remember how I started telling this story, like he was not in his full capacity. Now, again, I don't know if that was tied to his diabetes. I don't know if he was wrestling with, you know, voices in his head of depression. We don't know if it was PTSD. We don't know. I don't feel like he was acting with his full capacity. So I feel like there was a big loss there. I do feel like mental health is a big thing that has impacted my my family's life. But overall, he was a complex man. When he was good, he was the best. And when he was bad, he was often the worst. I feel like that about all of us and we got to give grace. Like people are very complex people and they're dealing with a lot of things. And even for, we've had other people that have chosen to take their lives and it's hard to understand, but I was not in their shoes and I do not know what that would be like. I would love to be able to help any way I can, but I'm definitely going to not be the one that passes judgment on that. Even when I'm the victim. <laughs> yeah. I loved him and love him. That's Listen, that, like, what you're choosing on the daily is one of the reasons you are where you are right now. I know it for a fact. And I think that there is so much power in that because it's hard. It's the harder thing to do. The easier thing is the anger, resentment, all the shit. Because we have so much more to draw from yeah. when it comes to those emotions. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier because it's very little effort. The fact that you're choosing love, 
grace, forgiveness, joy, gratitude. You're able to fill the things God intended for us to fill the way he intended for it to be felt. And you're just scratching the surface on the power in that. Like, I am so stoked to see where you go from here. It is literally just the beginning. And it's all because of you and God, you know, but, that, but mainly because of you and your mindset and your conviction in that I am going to live well in spite of it all. Mm-hmm. Just stay the path. I'm officially going to change your name to Grace. <laughs> that's, that's it. Sorry. Sorry, Jennifer. It's now Grace. No. <laughs> Can I end with a, just one funny? Absolutely. So one of the things I did not share, but I hope your listeners will get quite a kick of, and it'll be in, my last advice I'll give is, also when I was coming to and laying there thinking I was dying and leaving the earth— so I had been doing keto and running, and I had lost a lot of weight before this, like 70 pounds. Like, wow. I had really Damn. worked hard. Yeah. 70 pounds? I did. And so I really worked. Like you lost a small human. I did. I had been working really hard. But as I was laying there on the ground, I have to tell you that one of my dying thoughts was about food. <laughs> so, and this is how I know that food is so important to me in my life, because I literally had the thought like, my last meal was a freaking salad. <laughs> this, this is this awesome. This literally happened. I literally was there like, I would have ate something good if I knew yeah. it was going to be my last day. <laughs> so now I try to tell everybody I can, like, eat the cookie, start with dessert, because one of your dying thoughts might be about... <laughs> <laughs> you had a damn salad. <laughs> what was the last thing you had? And don't let it be a damn salad. So that'll be awesome. my parting wisdom that I give to your listeners. <laughs> Love it. That is the good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm making a shirt. Mine's Mama's French gonna toast. All it's going to be is dot, 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 don't let it be a salad. <laughs> yes. Eat the cookie. Eat the damn cookie. Eat the cookie. Love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. I am so grateful for her strength to come and share this with us, all of the life advice that she gave us, and we will never forget Noah. He was such a great human and a great light on this earth, and Jennifer is too. That's right, and she's carrying it forward for not only herself, but Noah and everybody else. She's leading from the front, and it is an honor and privilege to call her friend. Agreed. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode touched you today. And if it did, please share it and be part of making someone else's day better. Put on your badass capes and harness your inner Jennifer and go be great today. And remember, you can't do epic stuff without epic people. Thank you for listening to The Good Stuff. The Good Stuff is executive produced by Ashley Schick, Jacob Schick, Leah Pictures, and Q-Code Media. Hosted by Ashley Schick and Jacob Schick. Produced by Nick Casolini and Ryan Countshouse. Post-production supervisor, Will Tindy. Music editing by Will Haywood-Smith. Edited by Mike Robinson. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. 
Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.